Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, and welcome back. If you listened to last week's episode, you may have learned that I considered making hi a thing for my intro, but I only considered that for like five seconds because I will tell you, it doesn't really work that well. And also, bye, its cousin is very, very overdone. I just wanted to be cool like Jason Bateman on the Smartless podcast, but I think it's a lost cause. If you've seen Ozark season four, you know what I mean, and I will never be as cool as him. And that is okay. I am totally okay with that. All right. In other news, I actually have a little bit of a confession to make today, which I'm sure comes as no surprise for those of you who listen regularly and those of you who know me well. I am a recovering personality test taking enthusiast. The first book that I ever picked up for self-growth and personality was called The Personality Tree. I was very young, probably like 14, 15 at the time, and I was already on this quest to be a better person and really figure out who that person was. Unfortunately, the book confirmed something I had already been suspecting as a teenager. I did not fit into one of these four personality categories. So I naturally took this to mean perhaps I don't have one, maybe something's wrong with me. Half the time, I I would take the test like over and over and over again. And half the time when I took the test, I'd get one answer and the other half, I'd get the other three answers. So does that mean I was bipolar? I don't know. Since then, I have gone on to take lots of personality tests, everything from what does your personality say about your home decor style to the Myers-Briggs which you are probably familiar with. And the thing with most of these is that every single time I take them, I get a different answer. It depends on how I'm feeling that day, whether or not it's rainy outside or sunny outside, whether or not I'm wearing the right fabric or my pants are too tight. And I will say, for clarification, uh, I recently did an interview with Christina Granaham on the Enneagram, and I believe that, and a few others are in this as well, um, they're in a different category from personality quote tests. I wouldn't lump that into personality tests. It, I'd put it more into the box of natural innate drives and what our core needs really are and how we get those filled. Uh, the Enneagram really fascinates me and I, I love learning about it because I think it's a lot in line with what my, my guest Aaron and I discussed today. So I paused a while back, probably in my late 20s after I had taken all of these personality tests and like I probably just binged three more and asked myself, why do I want to know these things? Why do I want to label myself or put myself into a box? Isn't that what these tests are like? Isn't this what the answer is doing for me? And then when I feel like I straddle all of these boxes, what does that mean? It just made me really like the result of all of these was that it made me want to go into fix it mode so that I could morph myself or find the right box by just fixing something. And I think there's a couple reasons why I personally really enjoy taking these kinds of tests. First of all, I love learning. I love frameworks. I love lists, categories, self-development. I know that was like 
five reasons in one, but it's all true. Number two, I think that my ego really wanted some sort of reassurance that I'm special, like a little pat on the back that I'm the only one like me. So then I just set out to intentionally break every test and prove it that it doesn't know me. Number three, I think once, you know, I get that ego reined in and check and in check, there's the desire to just know more about myself and know more about other people too, so that I can show up better and interact in a more authentic way and feel more aligned with who I really am in the world. And then number four, uh, we all just, I think, want the reassurance that we're not busted, broken, or otherwise, and that what we feel inside of us, that deep inside of our gut, what makes us true blue is valid. And you know what? It is valid. Uh, We can use all of the great stuff inside of us, all of our personality, all of our strengths as a superpower when we lean into them more rather than doing what I was doing, which was focusing and honing in on the weaknesses and trying to fix. I think that, you know, knowing more about yourself, knowing more about others and how you interact with them can actually be very freeing, not limiting. It can be exciting, not bring you down. It's almost like the data and evidence that helps to prove what you feel in your gut and put it into a more tangible, explainable way. And that's what we get into in this week's episode with my guest, Erin. I I think that with all of these tests and assessments, we just have to also remember not to label one another, you know, not to put each other in boxes or try to classify and type each other. Like the purpose of all of this is for giving yourself grace and also giving others grace, as well as just like learning how to move about the world with more ease and more joy in who you already are. We're all working with these really highly specific and unique sets of tools that we popped into this world with and as well as skills that we're learning along the way and it's about strengthening those tools and skills and sinking into what feels best to us that's where the magic is so today's episode is about the Colby assessment test and how knowing your Colby score is a really valuable resource for individuals couples team members and leaders how you can actually put this information into practice right away and use it to really lean into what lights you up and how you work best and not feel so frustrated and hitting walls when you're trying to do group projects and all of the rest. Uh, For those of you not familiar with the Colby yet, Erin does get into uh, my specific scores as well as hers. And in a really thorough follow-up that Erin sent after I took the test, it really helped me to feel a lot more free, seen, heard and understood. And once again, I just want to clarify, this is not a personality test, which she explains the why it is not a personality test. She took me by the hand and walked me through how it all applied to my life, managing projects with other people, leading She Built This. And I'm going to kind of like butcher this and get it out of order and all over the place as far as she explains it very eloquently and in order. But it really like for me, it casts a light on why I love systems and processes. And I have a really hard time when someone tries to shipwreck mine. And I also take it really personally when other people like don't understand the intricacies of my brain and how I put it into action. She showed me that, you know, operating this way, I, I can actually adapt to this frustration, which is to understand first and foremost that other people are going to mess up your system. 
And when they do, it's actually a gift. It's a gift because then you can create systems that work for more people, more learning styles, more digestion, and get even more on board. Uh, We also talked about details and how, yes, I love taking in lots of information. I love getting it from all different sources and adapting it and applying it and meshing it all together. But I'm the first one to tell you that I am not going to be able to quote verbatim all that research about any one thing in particular. And if we're trying to like figure out what vacuum we should get for our house, I will just leave that to my husband and I will choose from the top three contenders after he has done all the research. Uh, I'm not like the person that's going to read the fine print, but I love the big picture and pulling out you know, the zingers. And Aaron also helped make sense for me why I have such a hard time visualizing something that doesn't physically exist. I guess spatial foresight is what I'll call it. And also like why I get mad at the TRX bands when I can't figure out how to move them up and down because these things just do not come naturally for me. Um, But where I love to live is like that idea zone. Uh, And then also where I sit. I kind of sit snugly in between on the risk-taking and taking action now scale and and being safe. So the real gold in this conversation and in this episode is that you're going to be able to see yourself in the examples that Aaron gives, and you'll be able to see how it applies to you, how it applies to the other relationships in your life and the teams that you're involved in. So I highly recommend that you connect with Aaron at AaronMorgan.com, which I'm going to have in the show notes, and you'll be able to see what you can learn from your own Kobe score. If you manage any sort of team, you're ready to hire a new VA or a project manager, or you just want to learn more about you and your spouse and why you can't see eye to eye on your operating at the speed of light versus their operating at molasses, you will love this. Um, and as I said, just like the Enneagram, which I talked about with Christina, this isn't a personality test. It just helps you to determine like what you're actually willing to do, not just how extroverted you are, or introverted you are when you how you feel when you sit down taking the test. There's nothing wrong with personality tests. I love them. I mean, I still think they're fun. And I think the more the merrier. I love personalities. Uh, And I think that these tests can shed a lot of light on things for us too. It's just important to remember that they're not entirely always a full picture. And I think that's why the more frameworks we can bring in, the more we can learn about ourselves through all different lenses, the better understanding we're going to have. And as I said, that helps us to give more grace to ourselves and also to others. Uh, real quick before I introduce Erin, I want to give a really big thank you to the She Built This review of the week, No Nicknames. They share, the She Built This podcast hosts brilliant and relatable guests who share their own lived experience as well as what the latest and greatest experts are saying. More times than not, these facets overlap. Emily asked the questions we'd all want to know and her storytelling is on point. That one about the 5K, the P, and that lovely, lovely man had me laughing while moved by the goodness of humans. Episode 129. Thank you for even putting the episode number in. That was awesome. Uh, Emily has built something really special. And I just want to say thank you so much to No Nicknames. You are literally helping me to build this with your awesome, thoughtful review. And if you love today's episode or any of the episodes, I also invite you to take a minute to write me a review in the Apple podcast app or on iTunes. And if you have any other lenses or frameworks you want me to approach personality through, let me know. And let me know what you're curious in and I will find a pro to talk about it. Anything you want to share, 
really. I'm always just an email away at emily at emilyaborn.com or you can visit shebuiltthis.org. Well, maybe and you can visit shebuiltthis.org and learn more about all the things. This month, February, is action-packed in She Built This. We have a lot happening in She Built This land. In the words of Alicia Keys, this girl is on fire. I do feel like there is just so much exciting stuff happening right now, and I want you to be a part of it all. So uh, I also want you to be able to look forward to the next two episodes. I have the authors of The Go-Giver Marriage coming on next week and Ed Combs, author of The Healthy Love and Money Way. Ed is a financial therapist and with both of these interviews, we are in for a serious treat just like we are today. All right, without further ado, let me introduce my friend and knowledgeable Colby certified business consultant, Aaron Morgan, who specializes in helping creative business owners use their strengths to grow synergistic teams and become profitable, productive, and confident CEOs. Hello, Erin, and welcome to the She Built This podcast on a Saturday, nonetheless. I love it. I love being here. Thanks so much for asking. I texted Aaron this morning and I was like, hey, do you want to just do the podcast today? Because we've been trying to gather our thoughts about what theme we're making it fit in. And then I realized that the topic that we're talking about could literally fit into any theme in the world because it's about people and us and our individuality. So Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she said yes. Yeah. Um, so Aaron and I actually met through a mutual connection, Robin White, who I, I got to say, it's just like more evidence of why I always say yes to taking the coffee date or the Zoom chat, because you just never know like what the result is going to be. And now we've like started developing a friendship and I'm just so grateful for like how it is. Like we get to share, you know, we share our celebrations and our gratitudes and books we're reading and things we're struggling with and like what it's like to be a dog mom. So I'm really excited to have you on. And of course, I read your bio before you joined us, but I want to hear kind of in your own words who you are and what you do. Um, and I, I am notorious, by the way, for asking like three questions in one. So maybe you can share a little bit with us about the rambly road that brought you to where you are today. Sure. I would love to do that because it's been a rambly road. <laughs> so I'm Erin Morgan and I'm a Colby certified business consultant and a dream team architect. I've been adding that little phrase to my intro and I'm loving it because what I really, really love to do in business is help women entrepreneurs who want to create an incredible team, whether that means hiring new people to join that team or working with the existing talent that they have to evolve how they work together, how they collaborate and communicate. That is the work that I really love doing um, at this stage in my career. And you alluded to the rambly road. I've done a whole lot of things uh, before I, I really committed to this path. I've been a marketing strategist, marketing coach, a, an all-around business and coach. I've specialized in sales. I've had a lot of experiences in a lot of places. Um, I've been the director of marketing in a nonprofit. I worked in education, uh, worked with angel investors and venture capital. I've done a lot of things in my career, but at the end of the day, the thing that I keep coming back to over and over is working with women 
who are trying to build something, you know, how how she built this, right? That, I was like, well, that's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. I work with women who are in the phase of, you know, I am building this. I am making this happen. And so it's a really cool opportunity for me to br- blend all the skills I've developed and acquired over the many decades. I'm, an, I'm a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And what I love about you is like, and people will totally hear this in the interview, but like you are super, super smart and logical and rational, but also you have so much heart and soul. So whatever that journey was that brought you to where you are today, like it's just all been part of the puzzle that have made that, made that your personality. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. We have these times in our lives. I think all of us experience them of moments that are just so difficult and they're and they're so hard and I had one of those moments back in 2008 it was really my my moment of I either need to do something that allows me to help a lot of people with this bad experience that I've just gone through or the bad experience wins and I don't want that to be the story I write And so I'm going to take all the good, all the bad, and I'm going to blend it into something that can help other people. And when I can do that, everybody wins. So awesome to when we reframe our own struggles to be something that actually will end up supporting somebody else in the future. So love that. Um, um, Okay. Why don't you tell us specifically like what brought you to Kobe and and what it is really, because um, I think a lot of people, it's going to be a totally new concept for them. And that is part of the fun. So Colby, and if you're listening, it's spelled K-O-L-B-E. Colby is a cognitive index. What's cognitive mean? Nobody's ever heard of that. I was going to raise my hand and ask that question. (laughs) Raise my hand. Um, So cognitive, it's it's a very old word. It means volition or what you will do. It's an action word that shows us what you will do, what you're instinctually designed to do. Um, And so what this Colby Index is really measuring at its core, is how you make decisions and how you take action. (laughs) And so for business, that's really cool to understand your instincts of how you're going to think through problems, how you're going to make decisions, how you're going to take action. And when you're not in that alignment with your instincts and with your strengths, how things could could get a a little, you know, sticky, a little hard. And that's actually how I discovered Colby. I was working with an amazing sales coach back in 2016, Laura Wright, and she asked me to take the Colby Index. I had never heard of it, but at the time it was like, whatever you say, Laura, I will do whatever (laughs) you say. And so I took it and I got my score, 4483, which I'll tell you more about as we talk here what that actually means, but it opened my eyes to all the ways that I am uniquely designed to take action and why my business wasn't working, why my sales process wasn't working was because I wasn't actually honoring my strengths. And so from that moment on, we shifted how I ran my business and things started to click, started to work. So that's what I, I love being able to take what, I've, what I experienced um, many years ago and bring that to more people. And so that's, that's my real mission. 
And I think you really, I mean, like we literally make decisions and take action all day. And so I think that's kind of what's missing in a lot of what we're, what we're taught. And we'll get it. Like, I want to get into that. Like, how is Colby different from these other personality tests? Because the other ones don't ask you, what are you willing to do? Like, what are you, what are you actually going to do? And what, and what do you want to do? So, yeah. So let's get into how it's different from classical personality tests or even something like the strength finder or disc, because none of these are wrong. Um, and nope. I, I'm a person that believes that the more we learn about ourselves in the, in different ways, the more we learn about others, the more we can improve our relationships with ourselves and others. So I think that all of these have value, but let's just specifically break down difference with Colby. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they all have value. So here's your, your 45 seconds of science for the day. Um, we've got three parts of our mind. The two that you're probably familiar with, dear sweet listener, is the cognitive, this is your skills, what you can do, often what you've studied in school, habits that you've formed over time, things that you've learned, skills. The second piece is the effective part of your mind, and this is your personality. This is where all of those tests fall, strength finders and Enneagram and DISC and Myers-Briggs and all of those those evaluations, those tests, they're all based on effective personality, that effective piece of your mind. Conative, the third piece, is this, again, what you will do. So we have what you can do, what you want to do, that's your personality, what you want to do, and then what you will do. Mm-hmm. And Colby is the only test that measures conation. So when people come to me and they want to use personality in hiring, and I, that's excellent. There are lots of great personality tests to use in hiring. Colby is not a personality test. It is a conative assessment, really looking at that third piece of your mind. And so I guess, how do you define, like, give us a, I guess, give us a tangible example, take a situation and break it down to what the difference would be looking at it through a skills lens, personality lens, and cognitive lens. Wow. Okay. So let's imagine that I am hiring for a project manager. And the first thing I want and what first thing most people would do is say, well, do they have their PMP or have they done any kind of certifications around being a project manager? Maybe they have their director of ops certification, something like that. No. Okay, let's look at skills, right? We can measure and we can look at experience sometimes on a resume um, or just through conversations around what somebody has done. We can measure and assess whether somebody has the skills needed to be a project manager. And then we say, okay, well, let's look at a f- the, the personality. This is where people were talking about their company culture. Are they going to have a good fit personality-wise? And so maybe this is a job that really requires somebody to have a lot of extroversion in their personality. They need to refuel and recharge by being with people. Maybe they're in a role that they're just going to be interacting with a a huge staff all day long as they're managing these projects. And so it's important that somebody feel like they can be extroverted. Now, I'm not saying you can't be introverted and do this job, but for sake of this example, that would be a piece that we would pull from personality. But in terms of cognitive, the first thing I want to understand, if you are here to project manage inside of a company, is do you think in systems? Do you start and begin and think and solve problems through systems? 
systems and data and information, gathering that together and then allowing people to stay very organized and take action. And so even um, as I'm thinking about my project manager that I used to have in my business, um, she was 8822. She was incredibly good in systems and in her, her data, her facts. She did a lot of great research for us. And her two in fact finder allowed her to stabilize the team and keep the beat. And I always knew that what I was going to get from her was going to be past and what are we currently working on. She was never going to drive me towards a new idea when I wasn't ready for it. That's not why I had her there. I had her in this role. And I'm actually now speaking about my, my project manager. I had her in that role so she could keep the beat on my team. She could keep everything running according to our timeframes, our budgets, our schedules. And so do I know in her case, if, if she is extroverted, does that tell me whether she thinks in systems? No. No, <laughs> not at all. So it, it's, it's looking at something totally different. I can see, does she have the skills? Yes. Does she have a personality that vibes and jives in our company culture? Absolutely. And does she think and make decisions in a way that aligns with the position I need her to do? or to fill. And that's how we look at the three pieces. And I love that. Like, I mean, it can apply to all kinds of professional and interpersonal relationships, I think. But especially when you're looking to bring on team members, it's so, there's so many things you can miss when you only look at that skills and personality, you know, and then you bring somebody aboard and you're like, why isn't this working? It was fine on paper. (laughs) So, Yeah. So let's, let's get into the numbers a little bit. Um, I did not come here to do math. So I'm like, (laughs) what do these, what do these numbers mean? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how to apply them. (laughs) Okay. So what we have to visualize since we're listening to this and we're not, you know, looking at, at slides or something like that, what we need to visualize are columns. So think about a building that has columns holding up a, you know, a porch or something in the front. And you have those visuals. So you're going to put four of those columns in your mind, and each one of them represents a different set of strengths. So the first number, the first column, is fact finder. So in our case, as you and I are speaking here, you are a six and I am a four. And what that means for both of us is that we generally tend to explain things. We're good at giving details. Um, for people to have basic understanding, we're not heavy researchers, but we're also not bottom line people who don't do a lot of research. We're sort of right in the middle. So if we think about this one as an example, if you're a one, two, or three research data, the past even, not super important to how you make decisions and take action. If you're a seven, eight, nine, or 10 though, on a scale of one to 10, means it's super important in how you make decisions and take action. So for us, we're right there in the middle, and that's great. We have some really cool strengths there. But each of the four columns is arranged in exactly that same way, from a scale of 1 to 10. No number is bad. You can't get a bad score. You can't get a wrong score. But it's showing on a continuum. They use numbers to express this continuum of your different strengths. And so everybody's going to have four numbers, And fact finder, the second one is follow through and then quick start and then implementer. It always goes in that order. So the numbers are the same across the board. So your 6762 and my 4483, those mean the exact same thing to anybody who understands Colby. 
So like you and I, like we love learning. We're going to research and read a couple articles, but we're not going to read the fine print. <laughs> we're not going to get her, go get a yeah. PhD or anything. No. Yeah. So my husband is like, he's got to be a 10 on the fact finder. <laughs> I mean, he will sit there and research something like to the nines, which is, mm-hmm. it, it actually works out really great between us because- I'm not going to be the one sitting there like researching the perfect wood stove, but he will. And it, yeah. and it makes for our home to be like a very comfortable, safe, secure environment because yes. of all that research he does. If I were choosing. It, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the cool thing about Colby. It is applicable in business and in relationships and life. You can, you can apply this to so many different situations and that's a perfect one, right? So Jason is going to go out and he's going to really research the purchases that you might need to make for your home. And at the end of the day, he might come to you with, okay, I've done the research and we could do A, B, or C. What do you think? Right? And then you're weighing in. You might look at some of the reviews of those, but you're not going to go super in-depth and you're going to trust that his expertise is this research piece and you can trust what he would say. So you might even say, well, what, what do you recommend? And he'll say, well, I think we should do this one. Great. Yeah. Moving oh, on. <laughs> that's 100%. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. Let's, what's next after Fact Finder? Yeah. So follow through is the second column. And follow through, I like to say, I know I shouldn't, but I call it systems. And the reason I do is because what this really looks at is how you organize um, your data, how you organize and, and, and put things in order, take steps. So for example, someone who is like you as a seven, again, seven, eight, nine, or 10, you're going to lead with systems. You're going to have your project plans and your checklists, and you're going to know all the pieces of a project, what needs to be accomplished in order to get to your goal. You're going to start there. I'm a four. I'll follow directions, but I'm not going to go out and design that system or build that system the way that you would. Um, and then somebody who's a one, two, or three, man, they, they like literally break systems. <laughs> I think we all know those people. Yeah, we do. We do. You and, know who you are. <laughs> and, that's, and that's completely fine because your strength is actually called adapt. That's your strength. So if you're a one, two, or three and follow through, um, you're adapt. That is your strength. Hmm. I like that. And and like to your point, I'm not super adaptable, but like if something happens, I'm like, all right, I can we'll we'll create a system so that I can adapt to this. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the third pillar. Yes. This is quick start. Our third pillar is quick start. And some people might think this is fast or slow, but really it's about risk and uncertainty. So somebody like me, I am an eight, and so I take risks very um, (laughs) easily. I do a lot of brainstorming in my process. I'm somebody who's always leading with innovation, and that's that seven, eight, nine, ten. Sometimes it feels like they move quickly, but it's not something they necessarily have to do to be a quick start. Usually it's more about innovation and that brainstorming mind really driving forward with, with new ideas. Then you've got your four, five, six, that's you. And you are awesome at maintaining a status quo of sorts and um, looking to see, all right, um, this new idea is a good one. What do we have that already exists that we could adapt or we could just modify? So your skill in that is called modify. Um, And this is where we're looking for ways that you can tweak subtly in order to continue moving forward. 
people who are are ones, twos, and threes, like my my project manager was, her whole goal is to stabilize. So I'm off doing my my brainstorming and innovation, and we should do this thing, we should do that thing, and I have all these ideas, and she's like, whoa, 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 here's what we're working on. Let's let's bring it down. Let's stabilize, right? And so you can have this really interesting dynamic between somebody who's naturally a quick start and somebody who is is resistant in quick starter who really wants to stabilize because one seems to want to move quickly and the other seems to want to move slowly, but it's really about risk and uncertainty um, in the space of innovation. I 100% know like the CEO that has the team member that is probably like a one or a two in this and he's like a 10 yep. or an eight and <laughs> she's like, oh my God, every day it's something new. <laughs> like, Yes, what do I do? yes, yes. And so there are so many things that when I come in and work with teams, I do a lot around this because so many CEOs, so many entrepreneurs, CEOs in this space, they, they do uh, initiate, and that's what that number, seven, eight, nine, or 10, whatever number you see that's your highest number, that's how you initiate your action means. That's how you start, right? So if, if, an, if a CEO like me is an eight, and that's my highest number, that's how I'm going to start. I'm going to mm. start with brainstorming and innovation. Well, for my poor team members, that can really throw off their day. Right? So we're working all the time on how do we take those great quick start ideas, those amazing innovations and brainstorms, and how do we put them inside of containers so that we don't break our teams? The same can be true for any relationship, right? I'm the quick start in our marriage, and how do I, how do my husband manage my quick start? Because I'm like, well, we should buy a house. And then like two weeks later, we're, we're buying a house, you know? He would think about it for, you know, two months or two years. I think about it for, you know, 20, 20 minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm on the phone to the realtor. Let's go. So it's these dynamics in our personal relationship exist as well, just as much as they do in business. Yeah, I totally see that. And, and that must be an interesting thing for you guys to navigate. So what, like, what have you put in place to help that a little bit or buffer it? Yeah. So this is, we actually are a really cool example. Um, what, what we have come to know, we know each other really well. We understand each other's personalities, right? But also our preferences in terms of speed. So I am always going to drive us forward. I'm always going to go 100 miles an hour. And my husband knows that his job is literally to stabilize. And so the way that I visualize it is it's almost like you take your two hands and you you put them together and cup them as if you were going to try to drink water out of your hands. You make a cup. That's sort of how he holds our relationship. So I get to go out and have crazy ideas and take huge risks and know <laughs> that at the end of the day, he's going to be there literally holding it down. And he has learned as he's gotten to be more um, we've been together longer, right? I think this is true of lots of relationships. He knows when to bet on me and he knows that I've gotten better at managing my own quick start. I know when I'm right and when I'm doing something that's going to take us in the direction of our goals and our dreams. Um, and I will get him to back me when I'm right. And when I'm uncertain or I'm unsure, I now have ways of telling him, Hey, I'm just in brainstorming mode here. Nothing I say is is a plan. Nothing I say is something we should definitely do. We just I need to have brainstorming and talk it out space. And so he can now do that with me without thinking that, that this is the new plan. <laughs> we can hold that space for each other. It's pretty cool. 
I love that. And I love that you two have like really learned how to help each other, like tether you basically, because yeah. <laughs> I can see that, that. But, but also, you know, it's, it's, he needs to be encouraged sometimes maybe to take some more of those risks. So I can see how the balance is just like really nice. Yes. Yes. And we, we've gotten it mostly right. And as I go into this fourth pill, this fourth column here, you're going to see in our relationship too, um, how it comes uh- out. I can guess. Okay, so you, so you're a three in this. I'm a two, yeah. and I think that is so right for us. Yes. Um. I, if I had to guess, I feel like your husband is going to be way up there in the seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. So the final column is called implementer, and what implementer means, and what it really looks at, is how you deal with space and tangibles. Right. So imagine physical stuff. People who are like you and me, Em, one, twos, and threes we envision, right? So we can imagine what the coffee cup would look like and we can kind of see it in our mind's eye and we don't actually really need to to touch and feel the coffee cup in order to imagine what we would create, right? But somebody who is a seven, eight, nine, or 10, like my husband, he's a seven, they need to touch and feel the physical object in order to put it into space and time and that tangibility, right? So these are amazing. These folks are amazing at working in uh, manufacturing. You know, my husband's, uh, his hobby is woodworking, right? He loves to make things with his hands. So there's actually a lot of creative makers. I had a client once who made hand-blended herbal tea, custom, custom herbal tea blends, um, it was very hands-on. It was very tactile. She actually was a, a high-line implementer. Um, but so somebody in that space, they're going to interact with the world so differently than you and I do because they're very much the touch and feel tactile um, ex- people who take action in that in that way. So here's here's a really tangible example of how this looks. So when I have conversations with my husband, I can just sort of stand there and or sit there and talk to him. Um, And he wants to get up and pace around the room. And it drives me crazy. And I used to think, like, was he disrespecting me? Like, what was the, why, why can't he just sit still and listen to me? Well, it's because the way he processes information, the way he interacts and thinks and makes his decisions is through that interaction, right? So I'm sharing ideas with him. They don't exist. They're not physical things he can touch and feel. So the way that he adapted to this for me was that he moves around and uses that kinesthetic kind of moving uh, his body in order to allow the information that he's receiving to process because he can't touch and feel it. And it's almost like when you say, when you say we don't need to touch and feel things, I'll say this. It's almost like I can't, like I have a really hard time when someone's like trying to describe things and then they would want me to go make it. I'd be like, I I don't know how to do that. Yeah, Like I can't turn something into something when with home design, you know, like I would have to actually like see it done. Yes. And then I would understand like, oh, that's what it would look like. Mm-hmm. So, but I can see it in my mind, like how it should feel and the mood board and whatever the thing is. I just could never, like, I think it's a, a like a graphic designer would probably be really high as an implementer, I would yes. guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, somebody who is like, and this, think about this though, this is an interesting example. Um, a graphic designer who designs for print mediums, physical, tactile, touch, paper, 
think think old school, right? Those folks might have been more implementer like that seven, eight, nine, ten, or maybe mm-hmm. even the, the middle of the range, four, five, six, right? But somebody who designs completely in the digital space, that's really different, right? That's somebody who you're you're using a different set of skills because what's the first skill when you're you're designing something in the 3D on a computer? Well, it's actually it's not necessarily touch and feel, right? It's more of this imagination. So it's it's a really interesting case study to see graphic designers where they land. They could go on either on either end of the of the spectrum. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's it, that really confirmed, like finding out that number two really confirmed. I mean, I don't really like things that involve using my hands anyway, but it just really confirmed that like, I can't even, I can't turn things into things. No, <laughs> no, Except no, words. no, I, exactly. Right. So we all have our, we all have our different strengths and it's, it's important that no matter what combination of, of numbers you have, you recognize that they are all good. They're all useful. They are all important and relevant. Um, and it's a, it's really cool when you recognize that. Yeah. I really love that concept that you mentioned earlier about how none is like no number is better than another. Like a one in one place is not better or worse than a 10. It's about what find, what uh, finding what is in alignment for you. Yes. So I want to know like some, maybe some results you've seen when people really feel like they have been able to lean into what is in alignment for them and how that, like what the outcome is. Well, it can be a game changer. Um, I've seen that over and over and over again, where people all of a sudden are the way they think through problems, the way they make decisions, the way they're designed to be when they find out and there's that level of validation, they feel seen, they feel understood. And because this deals with action and not with personality, a lot of times they go, oh, I see why this career isn't working for me. Or I see why I'm struggling in this job. Um, and it's because it's it's so against their grain. It's so against their innate natural strengths that they they feel like they're swimming upstream all of the time. And so this awareness that comes, they're like, oh, I'm in a job where I'm being asked to build systems all day long and I'm a system breaker, right? I'm a one in, in follow through and I have to act all day at work and in my job, in my role, like I'm a 10. No wonder I'm feeling this kind of, of stress in my job and so what does that mean? It means a couple of things. One, we maybe they need to change jobs or maybe they need to take pieces of their job out of that role, give them to a colleague and the colleague gives up something that they don't love to do. And there's a lot of sort of horse trading and job descriptions when I work with teams because, you know, Jane really loves this and Sally really hates it. And so we look and see, can we swap some things so that both of them are able to be in their, in their innate strengths more of the time. But I've just had people come, you know, I feel so seen. I feel so understood. Um, it makes so much sense now how I do things. And especially for those that 
might be initiating implementers, or um, there's some really cool subtypes, um, pioneer, there's um, adventurer. These are people that what we might say about them in, in love is, wow, they just sort of march to the beat of their own drum, right? Mm-hmm. It means they just do things so differently than what everybody else does. And those those people um, always feel like they're working against against the grain. And so it can absolutely unlock for an individual the the power to make shifts and changes, sometimes incredibly subtle, to how they do and exist and, and take action in their day-to-day life it can make a huge difference. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It must be so validating for people and also really help with some of those relationships where you're actually like able to give somebody grace because you realize that that is just simply not in their in their purview, you know, like it's like, okay, this isn't you. It's not your personality. It's not your skill. It's not something you're doing wrong. It is simply how you popped out into this world. That's right. (laughs) Yep. Validation and and grace. That's actually a really nice word to describe a lot of what what comes through. So recently, um, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the, like the, okay, in school, it's like you work on the things that you get a C on or a D on or an F on. You don't work on, they don't want you to strengthen the things that you're getting an A or B on. So like, how is this? Well, what are your thoughts on leaning into our strengths versus constantly trying to improve upon or make up for our weaknesses? Hmm. Okay. So the first thing we got to know is that the school system was designed for people who are initiating fact finders and follow throughs. It wasn't designed for quick starts. It wasn't designed for implementers unless you were in Votech or a trade school, something like massage therapy where you were working with your hands or maybe Montessori school if we're going back into to little little ones. Um, the academic system was not designed for quick starts and for implementers. So we're going to start with the fact that they're going to struggle in that environment. They're going to struggle. Um, and that doesn't mean they can't do well. It just means it's against their grain. I remember when Kathy Colby literally asked me directly, she said, did you struggle in school? And I said, well, no, I, no. She said, are you sure? And then I started to think back to all the instances and all the ways that I had to make major adaptions to how I did things in order to work in the traditional school system. Now, my parents both happened to be elementary and high school teachers. So I had sort of that leg up. They were always helping me figure out how to take this system and mold it ever so slightly to my Mm. needs. But I pursued the creative arts. I pursued alternative ways of getting education. Um, I just sort of broke the systems that that worked better for me. And because um, I had a personality and a respect for the rules, I mean, I would try. Um, but ultimately, I, I had teachers that worked with me. But so should we get better at things that are our weaknesses? Well, I'd say I'd say not necessarily. I mean, this is unpopular. I can hear people going, what? But if you're not somebody who's naturally inclined towards research and you have to do a research pro- project and then write the report, I would, a- I would ask the question, if the goal of the report is to demonstrate what you know and you have a different way of demonstrating it that is more in line with your strengths, why couldn't that be okay? 
right? So if you're better at speaking than you are at writing, why couldn't you do an oral report? Why couldn't you build a model? Why couldn't you uh, create some kind of a 3D diorama? I mean, I'm thinking back to elementary school, but why couldn't we use different modalities to show what we know? And so this is very non-traditional. As you can tell, I did not actually, <laughs> at one point I thought about getting, uh, going into higher education and I was going to be a dean or, you know, do something in higher ed. And I quickly realized I was not going to function in higher education for long. I was such a rebel and rule breaker that they were never going to let me, let me play in their, in their pond. I'm just thinking of how cool it would be if like actually people in school had this option, you know, like, okay, can I, can I decide how I'm going to get my good grade in this class and show you that I know the information? I really, I mean, this is kind of mind blowing. It's pretty awesome. It would be an amazing world to live in. I think we'd have a whole lot of people who are whole heck of a lot happier. All right. So we have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs or people who support entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So what would you say your biggest tip is for either entrepreneurs or people that um, are are managing a team, which well, might be might be the same thing, might not be the yeah, same thing? Yeah. I mean, it's I, I truly believe that knowing your Colby score and that of your team members is absolutely it's essential. It's essential. If you have that information, it changes how you plan projects and initiatives. It changes how you market your business. It changes your sales approach. It changes everything. And um, even if you're just a solopreneur who doesn't have a team and doesn't manage people, you still have relationships. You still work with clients or with customers. And imagine understanding more about what they're likely to do. And so we call it in the Colby land, we call it, um, it's called Glop Shop, which is kind of a funny name, but here's what it basically is. If I were to do this demonstration in real life, I would give you a bag of stuff along with two or three of your colleagues and I would, um, you know, it would be filled with all kinds of junk that you could find in a typical office desk drawer, you know, rubber bands and string and a bunch of tactile things. Um, and imagine that you, let's say there's 10 people on the team and I'm going to choose three people based on their Colby scores and we're going to send them out of the room and I'm going to tell the other seven who remain, okay, here's what's going to happen. See this bag of junk? We're going to bring them back into the room and I'm going to give them the assignment to come up with a game or a toy for a fourth grader. And based on this bag of stuff, Jane is going to do this and Sally is going to do this and John is going to do this. Right? This is These are the actions they're going to take in reference and engaging with this bag of junk. And you're like, yeah, 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 Aaron, right. How do you know that? And they come back in and they'll do exactly what I say they were going to do. Why? Because initiation in, in Kona, in when I look at somebody's Colby score, I know how they're going to start. I know what their first step is going to be based on their score. Assuming that they are free to be themselves, they are healthy, they are not you know, being pressured or stressed. Um, by a boss or, you know, expected to do something that, uh, you know, like you know, if they're being pressured into doing something a certain way, if they're free to be themselves, they're, this is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the Colby magic trick. Imagine if you could do that with your team or with the people that are in your life who you love and you could look at a particular problem and go, well, this is what's going to happen. 
that's really, really cool. And it allows you as the knowledge, the person who holding that knowledge to potentially adapt how you present things, change the way that you plan projects in your business because you know certain people are inclined to do things certain ways. It doesn't mean that we don't all get to use our strengths and be ourselves, but there's ways to, on a team of creative people who want to work well together, there's ways to, to work smarter with our strengths and get a lot further, a lot faster. And so that's what I would, I can't encourage a team or an entrepreneur, a team leader, manager, I can't encourage you enough to get these scores to the people who you're working closely with. And you help people to kind of like disseminate that information and show how it's impacting communication and and systems and strategies and things like that. Yeah, I I do that. And there are quite a few Colby uh, consultants, Colby certified consultants. So if my style doesn't match, there's lots of people who have become certified in this uh, cognitive index that can help you and your team. But it's it's absolutely something I love to do. It's it's my favorite work. (laughs) Okay, before we uh, give people how they can find and connect with you and see if you are their style, are you ready for a couple of rapid fire questions? Oh, this is the most stressful part for me. Now I can do it. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. What's your favorite food? Macaroni and cheese. Oh, yum. Like, like with, with tell, tell me more about the mac and cheese. <laughs> well, I have, I, I will say that I've probably made it 10, 20, 50, 50 different ways. I have a whole recipe file for macaroni and cheese, and I like to try different people's recipes. I don't generally like it baked. I could lose the topping. Um, I'm more of like a fresh in the pot kind of girl. I do lots of spicy cheese that I get from my cheese shop. I do it. I make it lots of different ways, um, but it's like my all-time favorite thing, and I've been known to use Velveeta, so, and I know that's not real. It's not real cheese. <laughs> My mom made macaroni and cheese with Velveeta growing up. So I am a Velveeta child. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just, I know it's not real, but it's amazing. <laughs> who, who knows what it is? Um, okay, what's your favorite thing to do on a rainy day? Oh. Is it eat mac and cheese? <laughs> no, you know, rainy days around here are, they're funny because the golden retriever, one, soon to be two golden retrievers, that equals eight muddy paws. Oh, yeah. And they love to play outside. So I actually end up doing a lot of cleaning on rainy days. um, And I do a lot of – sometimes I read. I love – if I can get into a good book, that would be kind of fun. I always envision a rainy day, like, being so romantic and reading and, like – It's not. It's a hot mess. Being cozy. A muddy golden retriever (laughs) mud pit. It's it's a mud pit. And they have so much fun. It brings them so much joy. So I let them run and play and get all muddy. But rainy days for me – uh, are mostly cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is something that not many people know about you that you feel comfortable sharing? <laughs> hmm. Let's see. Well, one of the things I don't usually talk too, too much about was that I taught English in China for oh, interesting. eight weeks when I was 15 years old and 16 years old. Some, a lot of people have gotten and, and done, you know, teaching but but when I went to China, it was pretty rare to be able to get in as a foreigner. Um, like it wasn't like a thing. Everybody just went to China. This was back in 2099. So before the the first Olympics there, the, it's changed a lot since, but it was a very cool experience. We got invited by the government to come and teach at a summer camp. It was very fun. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, I probably won't know this person because I'm like extremely out of most pop pop culture, but who is somebody that you find funny? 
funny. I'll say hilarious because that's better than funny. It's hilarious. Oh, man. Um, That's this is well, somebody I find hilarious who I really do laugh at a lot um, is my current coach, Renee. Um, Renee Rebar is her name. And I, I love she makes me laugh. I mean, she just cracks me up. She's so funny. And the times when she's the most funny is when I am being the most dramatic or the most serious or the most, oh my God, life is so hard, my business. And she will just say something hilarious that really um, allows me to lighten the mood. So I don't do a ton of like, um, I don't I don't watch a ton of TV or like comedians or stuff, but um, she keeps me laughing every day. So I love, I'll, I'll give Renee a, a little hot tip here. Full circle with the reframe. Thanks to <laughs> thanks to Renee. Yep. Um, all right. So now why don't you tell people how they can find and connect with you online and um, how they can take the Colby for themselves. Absolutely. So I am at AaronMorgan.com and I spell my name E-R-Y-N, AaronMorgan.com. And the easiest way is to just pop on my email list because in the first couple of days, I, P.S., I love to write emails. Like, I love it. I kind of have an obsession uh, with writing emails. And in the first couple of days, I always make the invitation, hey, come and grab my superpower pack. Um, but if you don't want to wait, you can always just shoot me a quick email, Aaron at AaronMorgan.com, and say, hey, I want to learn my Koei score and we'll hook you up. Okay, love it. Um, and I'll make sure that your I know that your name has a your it's funny, your name and Robin's name both are spelled like this. Yeah. Um, but I will make sure that's in the show notes so that people can find you. And thanks so much for taking all of this time on a Saturday to talk about Colby and relationships and communication and so much fun. all the ways that we can lean into our strengths as Thank individuals. You. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's great. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.